Hey, everybody, this is Cole popping in with a quick announcement slash reminder. Uh, since the last episode, we started something called the Watch Out for Fireballs Soundtrack Showdown. This is a bracket-style tournament. As we approach episode 100, we want to decide which game has the best soundtrack of the games we have covered. So go to duckfeed.tv slash soundtrack showdown uh, in order to uh, cast your vote. Like I said, the voting goes all the way up till the release of episode 100, and we're really looking forward to having you guys participate. There are some crazy matchups coming down the line, and it should be fun. So once again, that is duckfeed.tv slash soundtrack showdown. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro gaming podcast extrasode. Yes. And this week we are doing some follow-up and reading your responses to Chocobo's Dungeon, Final Fantasy Fables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, not, it's not surprising that a lot of people didn't play that game. It's fairly obscure. Um, but we do have a, some kind of off-topic stuff that we're going to get started with. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get started here with uh, Pasco. Um, Pasco says, uh, via the Something Awful forums, A depressing and delayed point about your Call of Duty episode. The Death From Above chapter with the gunship that you guys both felt was a good commentary on the gamification of war and was a section of the game that actually handled the nature of modern conflict in a nuanced and interesting way. Well, apparently, the devs just thought it was cool as shit technology and a fucking awesome set piece, and whenever they were asked about it, they were super shocked that people read all this thoughtful bullshit into it. It's understandable that you read the scene as you did, as that was the reaction from the wider gaming press as well, but the intentionality you ascribe simply isn't there. This was created as just another rad awesome, oorah, look how big our guns are, military wank fest. <laughs> That's a bummer. Yep, it is a bummer. So in the lead up to Call of Duty, um, that episode we did for the show, which I'm very happy we did, there were a lot of people mm-hmm. saying, wait a minute, what? And yeah. we did our episode and we drew our conclusions from it. And, you know, it was, it was mixed as we expected it to be. And in the follow-up, there's stuff like that that has come out that has said, okay, cool. Like, you know, the author's dead, whatever. But here's what they have said about it. Yeah. <laughs> that has kind of taken a little bit of the oomph away from the credit we may or may not have given them. Yeah, which is, which is weird. Because, like, like, I can't entirely be imagining, like, that little bit of that. Because that's not the only thing, mm-hmm. you know, that, that does it. But it does really feel like... It does really feel like that. It's it sucks. Yeah, that they did that. The um, what's kind of interesting too. So um, actually, a skeleton uh, at uh, Praha Normal <laughs> on Twitter pointed out a YouTube video to us of a guy who does a kind of long form analytic stuff on games and did a two hour long video about the Call of Duty series. Nice going through. And I listened. I like I watched it. I really just kind of listened to it while playing this game uh-huh. um, because it just shows footage from the games. You can listen to it like a podcast, and it's great. Like, he's really good. I like him a lot. Um, What's his uh, YouTube I, username? His YouTube username is... Uh, his username is Noah Caldwell Jervis. Jer- okay. Gervais. So, he's a cool handle. Um, <laughs> he's got... But he does these, like, super long-form critiques. I listened to his Fallout one and his one about the RTS uh, Warcraft games, which is super cool. Like, nobody talks about those. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it was pretty neat. But he... Uh, he brought brought up like he's much more sympathetic to the Call of Duties than we are, mm-hmm. and he, as somebody who I feel like would have to have seen that interview, like thinks that it's a it's a blatantly anti-war game, and mm-hmm. that anybody who thinks that it is kind of a war game mm-hmm. is misreading it. Not in a mean way, but he just like that's his take, and it's really well considered. But I also I, when I was listening to it, I was like ah you know I just played it and I really don't necessarily buy that, mm-hmm. and I do take a minor dumb amount of pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and being like, well, the developers didn't think so. You know, not that it necessarily matters, hey, obviously. Technically correct is the best kind of correct. <laughs> exactly. Technicality. Um, 
the yeah so i recommend that youtube guy uh thank you for uh actually a skeleton mm-hmm. on twitter for for pointing that out yeah. um and it's well worth listening if you want to listen to a an examination of the like weird i mean there's 11 games in that fucking series like <laughs> it goes from the first one to the 11th one and talks about their changes and man nice. i think you were telling me about how that story gets bonkers mm-hmm. i had no clue it got that bonkers <laughs> like it spoils I, did, everything. I didn't want to oversell it like it's so weird like that game about like the dignity of being a soldier and stuff, uh, which eventually just turns into weird, like mustache twirling revenge fantasies uh-huh. against evil dictators and stuff. Like I had no idea. Uh-huh. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. It just gets, it, it gets weird and like inward turning and fuck sideways. Yeah. So yeah. strange. Um, but in a way that also doesn't make me think that they had too much of a thoughtful consideration on the nature of war Yeah, in mind either. So Yep. So thank you. Thank you, Pasco, for uh, mm-hmm. taking the wind out of our sails. And thank you. Uh, uh, actually, a skeleton. Uh, what's his name mm-hmm. on Twitter? Uh, it his is Paher Normal or Praher Normal. Yeah. 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 For, uh, for for providing follow up that made us look like jackasses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that it, in the best I mean, possible it way. Yeah, it's it didn't make us look like jackass. So right. he was just like, you guys thought about this. This is another guy who thought about it. Like, yeah. the, dude, the dude is not a, a YouTube like. You know, everyone doesn't think this is a fucking idiot. Like he's a, he's yeah. a thoughtful guy. Yeah. So, yep. Um. So speaking of technically correct, so swastikas. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. They're so technically the, correct. Yes, they are technically a thing. We recognize that they are uh, from uh, societies before uh, Nazi Germany. Uh, um, I had played the original version of Commander Keen, which is preserved on archive.org. Uh, and mm-hmm. that was there as an Easter egg included by uh, one John Romero in order to uh, kind of hype up for Wolfenstein 3D. Um, and uh, we commented on it because of the connotation uh, of it being used as Nazi symbolism. And it was used as Nazi symbolism in this game because Wolfenstein is a game about Nazis. Uh, we yes. want to make it absolutely clear that we are not denigrating or speaking down about any culture that happened to use it as a symbol or, of luck or whatever. We are talking about the modern interpretation of this symbol because, you know, that looms large in people's minds. It, it is the fact that we got called out for that is mind blowing to me and mm-hmm. made me legitimately angry. And I also, I, I I was like, what what kind of bad faith argument is this a little bit? Mm-hmm. Like, of course, we were talking about it in a modern context. And also, we were talking about it appearing in a Commander Keen game. Like, mm-hmm. being you know, saying like, oh, it's actually this symbol. Like, that's not the intention. You know mm-hmm. that's not the intention. And it's yeah. not what anyone's going to read it as. Like, I don't know. Like, it. I feel like I, I ta- I'm happy to make that statement. I agree with you that we don't have that intention. I think it's bonkers that anyone would think that we did. Yes. And it rankled my... <laughs> wrinkled me pretty badly that someone was like, why do you want to shit on these old cultures? I got shit on old cultures. It's a swastika, dog. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a fucking swastika. It doesn't mean that anymore. Yeah. You know? Like, that's not shitting on the culture. Some very bad... It's one of the many crimes of the National Socialist Party. Mm-hmm. Like, don't blame us. Blame the people who gave it that connotation, mm-hmm. not the two of us who are interpreting it with the same connotation that 95% of the world would. Yeah. You know, maybe not that. I mean, not mm-hmm. 95% of the world, but at least the 95% of the audience for Commander Keen in mm-hmm. Goodbye Galaxy would. Right. And you know what? It's up to a very small section of the world population to try and take it back. Yeah. <laughs> and I would recommend, the, like, probably, like, the Holocaust is arguably the biggest thing that has happened mm-hmm. um, in, you know, our lifetime. or In the or memory of people living. who are still alive today. Yes. Yeah. In, in, in living time, you know, this is the biggest thing that has happened. Um, maybe that's just spoiled and like maybe a symbol for luck in a world where there are lots of symbols for, for luck or good fortune, Mm -hmm. like is not worth 
hurting, you know, people who actually live through that kind of thing mm-hmm. in order yeah. to make your point. Don't don't go get rid of them. Like if you're in Thailand and they're up there and it's, you know, from ancient architecture, totally cool. Like I'm down. Yeah. But, but you don't like don't, making your mission to reclaim them is misguided. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe don't use them to, re- to promote your next shareware game. <laughs> Yeah, that that's that's the thing too. So yeah. you know, I don't. I think I thought it was a little bit silly that we got called out for that. But just to clarify, yeah, uh, that's we are obviously. I mean, very obviously not saying yeah. that the culture that originally used that as a luck symbol <laughs> is somehow shitty. Yeah, because John Carmack decided to make yeah. a or John Romero decided to make a stupid joke. I, I will in cop this kid game. <laughs> I will cop to ignorance in a lot of things. You know, I think that that is <clears throat> that that is the only adult way to view to view your interaction with the world. Um, mm-hmm. I will not cop to ignorance on that because yeah. a I know about those cultures. I read about them. Whatever that is, aside from the fact that uh, you know what I've heard that argument before, and I know yeah. and I know about that when, when when it comes up. Technically, technically correct is not the best version of correct, right? Exactly. And yeah. you know that plays into the broader thing of how you argue is more important than what you say, which is really irritating. Yeah, yeah, and that that has become an internet. You know, a standby of internet arguments. When I was saying technically correct was the only kind of correct, I was being sarcastic earlier. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that, that's that's all I really feel like talking about swastikas. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to a little Commander Keen follow-up. Uh, Fletcher by Conduct says, "You mentioned that the series ended on a wet fart, but the whole post uh, Keen three series was a weird story anyway. Some of it is in Masters of Doom, a recap of early ID software, which was covered which covered their shareware days as well as up to Quake two or three. I forget exactly which, but there were was a uh, Keen Dreams." Uh, made with a not-quite-finished Keen 4 engine to fulfill a contract for their then-publisher, which pitted you against an entire army of vegetables with names like Boobus Tuber, a massive crowned potato. Similarly, Aliens Ate My Babysitter was kind of a 5.5 release, where it was a set of surreal levels that basically did nothing to advance the plot from from the Armageddon machine, and also ended on, yeah, the villain is still Mortimer again, go stop him. Memory tells me that this one has aged better than Armageddon Machine, but to be fair, that's not hard, given that the highlights of Keen 5 are a giant invincible red robot and the horrible Scottish racism bonus level. Hmm. Um, which I, I didn't see. I missed the bonus levels. Yeah, uh, I didn't catch any Scottish connotations from that, but I'm not well, I'm not I'm not uh, uh, culturally Scottish, ethnically yes. Scottish. There we go. Yes. Uh, finally, let me mention that Tom Hall is basically cursed, and he should never get attached to any property the man is heavily involved in. Of all the work the man has done, Commander Keen and Anna Chronox were both his babies, first and foremost, first and foremost, and both just end on massive cliffhangers. I half expect him to create something else in his twilight years just to break all of our hearts by dying a week later at this point. Um, I had no idea he did Anachronox. No, think about how much like disappointment has been generated by Anachronox by us just not covering it for the show. Well, that's it's it's funny because it's very requested, mm-hmm. but the fact that I know that it ends on that cliffhanger and will never be resolved is part of the reason why I'm hesitant to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not the only reason. Like, Part of it is it's kind of like a, you know, mechanically a clunky Final Fantasy VII clone, mm-hmm. you know, um, even though it has like awesome trappings and story. But the uh, the fact that it just doesn't end, like that's kind of a bummer, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It would make a full analysis of it very unsatisfying. Yes. Yeah. But uh, a lot of people told us like, hey, Masters of Doom is here. I'm kind of ashamed that I haven't read it just because of how foundational that whole team was. But um, I haven't. So I need to fix that. Yeah, I'll read that at some point. So our next one comes from Oliver via our contact forum. Hey, my name is Oliver, and I'm a science teacher from Ireland. As a part of an initiative to control bullying in my school, 
only I can say who gets bullied. <laughs> um, I started I started a games club at lunchtimes. Uh, the kids come down and we do playthroughs of games with each kid taking turns per level or scenario. And when decisions have to be made, we group think them. Leads to some very entertaining outcomes as different kids will have different approaches to the game in the same play session. Non-lethal versus kill everything uh, versus kill everything that breathes, rather. Uh, aggressive versus suave, etc. That is awesome dude mm-hmm. sorry just to editorializing as we go along uh one of the young lads recommended your podcast oh no <laughs> so, <laughs> i know i i take back every time i've said cunt um, <laughs> well it's ireland so don't worry there they yeah, say that probably, i'm probably accidentally saying things that are way worse <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry to your parents. <laughs> he continues, uh, since December, we've been kind of following along with the games you play. Only short ones, mind you. Uh, I think I can leave my JRPGs for some other time. Which Thanks. leads me to your next game, Commander Keen. I cannot begin to guess how many hours I sank into this as a child. In the in the 80s, uh, we were a little behind you Americans. Fact, the mullet was, our, was still our number one haircut in 1995. Oliver, I had a mullet in 1995. <laughs> Don't worry. Ohio was too. Uh, as such, uh, home consoles were slow to make it big here. I grew up as a, uh, uh, I grew up and knew no kid with an NES or Master System, and even when the Super Nintendo or Mega Drive came out, only the wealthy could afford them. Therefore, I did not play a Mario game until 1997 when I was 16. And yes, it shat all over every uh, platformer I had played till then. But before that magical time, I had Commander Keen. My dad had a basic PC for work, and my older brother figured out, figured out uh, how to get games on it, so I uh, had been watching him play that for many years. Uh, when he loaded this game for the first time, I was blown away. The kinetics, bingo card, everyone, uh, were outstanding to a lad who had only recently been playing Captain Comic and Rick Dangerous. Uh, the, games, uh, the game was streets ahead of its contemporaries. Uh, it was refreshing and strangely liberating to be playing as a kid who was having crazy adventures like, it, like I had always wanted to do. It became a a ritual for us uh, to get home from school, eat dinner, do homework, and then get upstairs and blast through Keen, trying to to best each other for time. It's funny. Kids never seem to play that way anymore. Competitive gaming is all about shooting this or capturing that. Uh, Whatever happened to watching the other kid play, seeing him do something cool and thinking, nice, I can try and do that and maybe double jump. uh, Maybe the double jump uh, will take me to the next platform without wasting time on an enemy. Just so you can show off to to the other kid. Well, enough wandering down memory lane. I have uh, I've had the kids playing Keen for the last week, and they are loving it too. After the first few minutes of Ugh, ugly, and gee, Mister B, how do you live like this? <laughs> yeah. uh, and having a character uh, character head jump onto blocks uh, to release coins. Thanks, Mario. Uh, they got to hang. Uh, sorry, they got the hang of it, and they are flying. Uh, it's, it prompted me to get Duke Nukem 1 and 2 out and Jazz Jackrabbit and maybe even Jill of the Jungle might make an appearance before, this, uh, before school ends this year. Ah, uh, Epic Mega Games and Apogee. Anyway, just wanted to say thanks for giving me the idea of loading this game up again. I even enjoyed playing Pong between missions. That's heartwarming. I know, right? Yeah. So, thanks, Oliver. Yeah. I'm not a fan of those videos that are like, oh, watch these kids play an original Game Boy or whatever. I think that oh, is yeah. I think that is a way for people our age to feel superior to those stupid young people who don't like the things we like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like, like here, you use a mimeograph machine, asshole. <laughs> you know, like it's not, um, the, you know, it's before their time. There's like, no insight to be gained from that. 
Yeah. Yeah. What is hard to understand? It's before their time. Yeah. Go go you go load up the microfiche at the library, Internet Boy. <laughs> like it's it's not gonna you know. It, it I I agree with you. Those things are obnoxious and they're super clickbaity and shitty. Mm-hmm. But this is isn't that. No. Like this this is you know, uh, these games are fundamentally you know similar and having somebody kind of guide you. Uh, through being able to play them like this is probably the best way to do them. Like, it's not mm-hmm. being done for clicks. It's being done because they're fundamentally good games and it's a nostalgic experience that mm-hmm. uh, this teacher can share with his students yeah. to, uh, to fight bullying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, that's awesome. That's that's so sweet. Like, I love yeah. it when... Uh, there, I remember one of the for the first live show or the second live show we did, um, there was a teacher who had kids in class who loved video games and he, like, took a bunch of our buttons to, like, give them mm-hmm. as prizes. Yeah. And I wanted to be like, oh, you know... We, we, there's there's a lot of like there, there's there's a real graphic egg laying sound effect thing like there, there's a lot of stuff that happens there, there's there's some challenging subject material yeah and uh but he was just like it doesn't really matter and i think maybe i'm not giving kids enough credit like mm-hmm. if this kid and uh, this cool kid in ireland's like listening to the show and and, yeah. and people are into it like that's just really flattering and great yeah. and it's really heartwarming so. so so hey listener who is in this class a your teacher is doing fantastic work and you're going to remember this kind of thing for like years because he's having a really good impact on your life uh and mm-hmm. b thank you so much for listening and uh helping spread this word yeah really appreciate it and oliver you're doing great yeah like i wish i had teachers like you growing up i had a couple but i the ones <laughs> that i that i had that you know approached your level of quality were the ones i, I remember now yeah so that's very heartwarming mm-hmm. um <clears throat> on to responses about chocobo's dungeon Ellen says by contact. It's been a few years since I played this game, so my memories are a bit hazy. I remember thinking that the plot was kind of stupid, that white mage <laughs> crying and whining was cringe-inducing by the end of it, but I'm sure that, heaven help us, someone was into it. Shudder. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that allowance of some degree of persistence between deaths was kind of nice. I love the idea of Engban and NetHack and the like, but I never got good enough to win without save scumming, and I still have a saved game from the original Wizardry, hmm. not a roguelike, but a related field, I suppose, from a few years ago that I haven't had the emotional fortitude to pick up again. Final Fantasy Fables Chocobo's Dungeon, on the other hand, is gentler while giving you some sense of consequence or failure, and with a turn-based format, you can take time to calculate strategy if things are looking icky. I guess I don't have much to say other than that. Again, it's been a couple of years, but I'll close by mentioning the Shirin series and the PS2 title, Nightmare of Draga, uh, Fushingo, Fushjingo Dungeon, as suggested titles in the console roguelike medium. If you haven't already gotten into your own history with roguelikes and roguelites uh, over the course of the main episodes, I'd be curious to hear your favorites. Um, P.S., this is sort of unrelated, but super quick. One of the topic uh, on the topic of dungeon crawlers, do you guys have any experience with the Shin Megami Tensei or Etrian Odyssey series? Given your taste, I feel like you guys would get something out of them, although I'd go with a more recent entry for the former series. Yeah. Um, so for the first one, like I think we covered the uh, our, our, like our personal histories with these. Like this is my first time that I played one of these to completion. I've been aware of them for a good long time, um, and I'm happy that I now currently have experience with them. Yeah, and I, and I played Sheeran the Wanderer, um, the first one. On, uh, on DS, and have picked up and put down several kind of roguelike roguelikes on uh, on portable systems. Um, but the majority of my indie gaming is has some rogue elements in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't shut the fuck up about Darkest Dungeon, and that's got roguelike elements in it as well. <laughs> like everything is, is, you know, roguelikes are everywhere, and I I really like that. But I haven't yeah. gone. I too can't go back and play NetHacker and Band or Dungeon Crawl, Stone Soup, or any of those things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as for the second one about SMT or Etrian Odyssey. Honestly, those kind of hit the mainstream here in America, you know, well after the time where I had the uh, the ability to dedicate the amount of resources that it would take to get the enjoyment out of them. I don't doubt that there's good stuff there. 
Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's just incredibly hard to fit those in. Yeah. Um, I, I played uh, Persona 1 mm-hmm. um, on the PlayStation. The first one that came to PlayStation, the chronology of that series is fucked up. <laughs> and Persona 3 to completion and a lot of Persona 4 mm-hmm. um, at a time in which I could just kind of sync them in, you know, sync time into JRPGs. Yeah. Um, and they're really good. I like them, but I never... You know, I didn't stay with the series because even though I think that they're really interesting, um, they do just require that huge time and investment. Um, Etrian Odyssey is really interesting to me. Me too. And it's been on my list of, like, to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, the combat is what's stopping me from doing it because I've been on this, like, being annoyed by turn-based JRPG combat mm-hmm. phase. But the mapping thing is very interesting to me. Yeah. Which, like, it sounds like a chore, but I, everything I've read about it says that it actually helps you take an ownership over the space in a huge way. Yeah. And that's uh, that's really interesting to me. Yeah. So now that there's a new Etrian Odyssey out, and it's supposed to be really good, uh, Jeremy Parrish just had his, his review went up on uh, US Gamer, and uh, he's kind of a series expert. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking to get that after I eventually put some time into Monster Hunter. Yeah. Or even like Persona Q. Right yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would like to play that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and like I'm good, kind of hearing riff on video games. Hot dog talk about these too. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 that that is primed me to know kind of what goes on in those. Um, but uh, I probably should just take a dive into one. But yeah, it, you just need to clear some time. Yeah, like we'd have to take a sabbatical for the show or something. <laughs> like it, it is just. I mean, and it's interesting that I suggested that rather than covering it for the show. It's just like it's like man, like we just did Chocobo's Dungeons, twenty eight hours, and it felt like a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's um, like light. Like this is yeah. This is the this is, uh, this is fresca. This is a, yeah, th- th- this is, that would be very heavy. Like, if we, you know, if we decide to do something like a Persona game, um, I think it would almost have to be a three-parter, mm-hmm. not least of which because of time to do it. Yeah, um, and complete that. But we, I mean, we're we're, we're talking, we're figuring stuff out. Yeah, um, we're interested, mm-hmm. but uh, we have some reservations. Yeah. Uh, so I'll round us out with our final Chocobos uh, um, response here. This is David via contact who writes in saying, "Chocobos Dungeon is my second favorite mystery dungeon style game. Only to, uh, only just losing." Uh, and only slightly, to Azure Dreams on the PS1. The game just oozes charm and handles the conversation, uh, sorry, the conversion into Final Fantasy terms uh, while adding its own flair with the job system. Because love or hate Final Fantasy games, they do amazing job systems. Uh, There was a DS remake of this game that sadly didn't make it to the US, which is a shame because I feel like these games do really well on handhelds. Yeah, agreed there. Yeah. I um, never I never played Azure Dreams. It was one of those ones that popped up in GameCube or sorry, GamePro. Um and uh, looked like something I would like because it looked like anime and I liked things that looked like anime at that time. Uh but mm-hmm. uh I didn't know what anime was. <laughs> um but now it's like a cat. Uh, is the first thing you need to know. The um like two things. One, I don't realize like, I'm wondering why I didn't uh find a translation of that Chocobo's dungeon and put it on my flashcard. Oh, yeah. And play this on my DS. I guess I could have done that. It might not have um, been translated. It might not be, but I didn't even look. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, like, it's funny because Azure Dreams, I played Azure Dreams. I remember almost nothing about it. <laughs> but I, I have distinct memories of, like, the first house I moved out of from my parents' house. Um, and my shit, like, my, I like this, I think I've told you about this before, like, mm-hmm. where I lived in, like, a closet-sized room. So my rent was $100 a month. <laughs> and I only had to work, like... 10 hours a week to afford rent and like every video game I wanted. Uh (laughs) Like it was ridiculous. I was like living on the most modest means that anyone has ever lived on while having like all I could want. (laughs) Like I, like, Oh, I can buy, I can buy soda pops and you know, a new video game every week and only work 10 hours a week. This is fucking awesome. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I play, I remember playing Azure dreams like quite a bit at at the time, but I don't remember very much about it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got the Game Boy version because um, like a couple years later, I worked at an overnight dispatch thing for tow trucks where I could bring in a Game Boy and play. And I don't remember very much about that either. Like they both slipped off my mind. But I'm looking at screenshots now and, and the iconography is looking familiar. I just mm-hmm. don't remember very much about how I played. Yeah. I remember, uh, so th- th- this brought up another memory for me. There was a roguelike game for the uh, Dreamcast called Element, like okay. World of Eternal Device or whatever. It was like, I I got it not knowing what it was. Like mm-hmm. when I was, you know, like this is this is cool, like post PlayStation. So we wanted an RPG um, yeah. and uh, I was turned off by the randomness. So I wonder, like, I, I still have it. It's like sitting on my sitting on my shelf. I might put it back in and see if it did anything right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's one of those things. Like those are like Azure Dreams, Grandia. It's like those games that I played around that time that I would love to revisit, but I have a weird sense of guilt when I revisit a game because like yeah. <laughs> there are games I haven't played that I haven't you know haven't put time into. Mm-hmm. I remember so. Yeah, but thanks everybody. Yeah, thank uh, you. Thanks everybody for for your responses. I really we really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Um, if you have anything to, to tell us about uh, Amnesia, The Dark Descent, mm-hmm. hit us up at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Yeah. Or about Super Metroid. Yeah. So which uh, that's that's the uh, the episode 100. We announced it mm-hmm. um, through that awesome, awesome trailer made by Allison Baker, our mm-hmm. friend and amazingly talented lady um, who runs uh, the Dark Souls Lego Tumblr. Um, so if you check that out, uh, Dark Soul, legodarksouls.tumblr.com, she does amazing work. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's gotten shout outs from like the people who made Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did the logo for the uh, Dark Souls haters blog and stuff. And she is an inspiration. Yeah. So we she's, really, really appreciate her. She's done art for uh, for for our like postcards we put out for Patreon. Like she, uh, we are tremendously lucky to have her, uh, you know, among our fans and collaborators. Yeah, fans, collaborators, and friends. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, she she's wonderful. So we really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, Super Metroid, and mm-hmm. you guys have things to say about Super Metroid. So <laughs> get on it. And I have things to say about Super Metroid. Oh boy. <laughs> so yeah. me too. Yeah, or you know, Katamari beyond that. Like we have like an embarrassment of riches coming up. What a trio of perfect games we're doing. I know, right? Like, like right in a row. Like, good, good boy. We're going to we're gonna have to fit in some real shit, shit balls. Like <laughs> yeah, at some it's point, gonna, it's going to be another summer of darkness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the backswing summer of darkness. Yeah, like let's do let's do. There's no there's no sequel to sacrifice. We're going to have to make one. <laughs> we'll, we'll just do a spiritual successor to sacrifice. Ooh. Like we'll just end up doing a brutal, brutal legend. legend. <laughs> yeah, so we can we can spend the first like you know twenty minutes talking about how awesome the theming is and voice acting, and then. <laughs> Yeah, man, talk about a game that catfishes you. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh boy. Um, um, anyway, so yeah, thanks everybody, and we we have talked enough. You know all the nice things to do for us. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, stay stay in school, pay attention <laughs> to your teachers, and uh, enjoy some deleted scenes. Umbasa. Pretty fun. I'm going to be excited to actually have light. And the the the, yeah. the the building where I live right now, it is uh, because I'm on the first floor. It's essentially a uh, a, a brick bunker. Mm-hmm. So there, it's a wind, you know, like a couple of windows on one side, and then a concrete wall on the other, because my unit runs the entire length of the uh, of the four unit, and so yeah. I have no light, and I'm just thinking, yes, I'm gonna have light from all angles now. Yeah, that's that's not. For, I'm sitting in the basement right now, and I have cardboard up over all the windows. <laughs> um, that's not. It's not for me. I can't relate to you, buddy. Okay, it's, it's my least favorite thing, more or less. So what? Natural sunlight. Yeah, uh-huh. it's not for me. I know you don't um, like the the sound of children laughing, but this is taking yeah. it a bit far. Uh, yeah, the sound of children <laughs> laughing, like what it depends on what they're laughing at, I guess. <laughs> the uh, but yeah, natural. I'm not into natural sunlight. Huh. Um. As a general term. 
Oh. Or in a general sense. I got gotcha. My eyes are very sensitive to it. Hmm. Um, that probably comes from lack of exposure. <laughs> and uh, like, a, there's a certain kind of heat that will nauseate me. Like a kind of like if it's not hot, but if you're just in the sun and you just do a slow rise in temperature, mm-hmm. like that will make me feel sick to my stomach. Oh, that's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's well, good. To, to each his own. Sure. I live in a house that is both. I can go upstairs and get natural light if I want it or want to endure it to be with my girlfriend. And then mm-hmm. I can go downstairs into my dungeon <laughs> and hang out with Roars in, and be dungeon bros. Or as I call it, the fungeon. Yeah, this is a <laughs> yeah. It's a, it is a it is a fun dungeon mm-hmm. that I record in, and is also my guest room and my my cool gamer cave. Oh yeah, yeah. We got balls on tap. <clears throat> yep, exactly. I put I put one of those hanging truck balls under yeah. my PS4. Yep. There's a there, there, there's a wood burnt sign that says "Get your nut." Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's with a G. Yep. Nut nut. There's that that barely. Or like mostly silent G, whatever everyone <laughs> refers to their nut, 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 <laughs> But but it's also over a nice assortment of uh, cashews, Brazil nuts, and uh, peanuts. Yeah, yeah. Which are good nuts. So yeah, that's uh, those those are all just, those those are all perfectly fine. Good nuts and bad nuts. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited to have a to have a porch upon which to read that mm-hmm. is in like a nice wooded area. Yeah. Yeah. Check check this shit out. Um, we're gonna get a hammock. Oh shit! Yep, we haven't done it yet, but we have the hammock. We just need to get the hammock frame and okay, and figure out where we're going to put it. But uh, we're going to set up a hammock in our backyard. Okay, so this is going to be a freestanding, a freestanding hammock. Yeah, I don't, but none of the trees yeah. work out in a way that uh, would work for a, mm-hmm. a hammock that you know, a, a load bearing hammock. Yeah, the uh, you could we could technically we have a big pretty tree in our backyard, and mm-hmm. we could do it to a fence. <clears throat> but that fence, interestingly enough, I don't know if I said this on the show before. Mm-hmm. Didn't forgive me. But uh, we have this wooden fence that's kind of rickety between us and our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fence has symbols painted all over it. Did I tell you this? No. It has it has symbols and letters spray painted on it. And my landlord was over. And I was just like, oh, what's the, what are those things? And the the answer I expected was like, it was like wood from a, like repurposed wood from a construction site or something like that. Yeah. Because there's a lot of this stuff in our house is, is this kind of repurposed rescue wood mm-hmm. stuff. And apparently, like 10 years ago when our landlord lived here, or before my la- our landlord lived here, the person who lived here before hated our neighbors and put them up as sigils to ward against them. Oh, my God. So they're actually like, it's actually, you know, magic words and stuff written on the fence to keep our, our as far as I can tell, like perfectly charming gay farmer neighbors <laughs> out of out of our space. Um, I want to mar the runes and see if they like come in and <laughs> just all of a, all of a sudden they grow massive fangs and like yeah. do a twenty foot standing leap over the fence. Ha ha! Food yeah, you. You invited me in. Well, not technically. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's really weird. I was not expecting that at all. Like I was going to before I said before she told me, I was going to make that joke. Uh-huh. Like I was just like. I'm a joke with my landlord about these being like warding runes. Yeah. And then she won't get it and she'll just know that I'm a huge fucking dork <laughs> and then leave me to my dungeon. Um, <laughs> the, uh, instead, she was just like, you know, just said very matter of factly, like the person who before has believed in some kind of magic. <laughs> Says that magic to keep her neighbors out. <laughs> yeah. And they believed in some kind of magic and insisted on spelling it with a K. It was the worst. Yeah. Pro- undoubtedly. <laughs> um, oh boy. <laughs> so. 
that's going on. That's pretty great. Is there like a is there is there a line of dead grass around you from where they put a salt line down? No. Does no. your house reek vaguely of sage? It's been so long, and I'm really surprised my landlord had didn't replace it because our yeah. our landlord put tons of work into this place. Yeah, but didn't uh, for some reason was just like okay with those things. Yeah, or just sandblast it. You don't have to replace the fence; just sandblast the yeah. the, the Satanism off or of it. Or paint the fence. Yeah, you know you can do anything. Yeah. like it's just spray paint the, trick, the symbols. Trick, so. trick the neighborhood kids into doing it. It's fun. Yeah, get, get Tom Sawyer to do it. Yeah, and then he'll trick another kid into doing it if I remember my <laughs> my lit. Yeah, and which then, I clearly and then don't. You'll, then you'll win the frog race. It's funny with the mysterious um, stranger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember who uh, it was on some podcast, but somebody was pointing out how funny the cover to that book is, where it's like just a little blonde boy painting a fence, mm-hmm. and like just like want to get into this. <laughs> I can think of the harrowing adventures you're going to see in this fence painting book. Like it is so bland, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, huh. I'm sorry, it's weird. Yeah. He's a mean, mean guy. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't, I haven't revisited Twain as a uh, outside of high school, like as an adult. Yeah, yeah, me, me either. Like I read it in high school and was like, okay, yeah, you know, you know, fair enough. Like this is this goes down easy and easier than say like Great Expectations did, mm-hmm. you know. But it's not. Uh, it didn't like light my world on fire or anything. Yeah. I'm looking up a bunch of covers, and a bunch of them are literally just him painting a fence, <laughs> or him standing and supervising another kid painting a fence. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah. No. The um, Michael Cooperman, who mm-hmm. I who I love, the second bacon guy, wrote a book that is uh, Mark Payne, Mark Twain's autobiography, like 1904 to 2014, and it like posits that he's been alive and kind of Forrest Gumps him into all this history. Oh yeah. Throughout the world, and it's hilarious. It's really really good. Um, very, very funny. Yeah. Hmm. I don't, I don't have anything to add. It's, that sounds cool. Sorry. Yeah. It's real good. Sorry. My Mark Ruberman is a national treasure. My phone's blowing up. All right. Yeah. He, he has a, um, sell some prints and stuff on his website. And one of them he does in uh, the snake and bacon, like the first like collection of books they did mm-hmm. or comics he did. Um, he has, he has all these like covers, fake covers for comics. Mm-hmm. And one of them, um, it's like this picture of like a pirate. And a hobo and a robot, and they're all like hanging out in an alley, like leaning on boxes and stuff. And the name of the co- the the comic is uh, "Hobos, Pirates, and Robots in Waiting for Adventure." <laughs> <laughs> and like, the, 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 he has like a prints of all of those. There's like a uh, the, the result of a confusing memo: two tailed fists, and it, it's like a fist with two tails, like chasing a guy. Yeah, he's going. I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> like. It is it is a unique sensibility that works on me really well. Yeah. I love Michael Cooperman. Michael Cooperman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snake and Bacon, what is that? that? I've heard you talk about that before. That's um that's just, it's a series of comic strips that he does. Mm-hmm. Um it's the name of the first collection. Okay. Which I am surprised like I've never like gifted you that. That's a real standard, like if I don't know what to get for somebody gift. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Snake and Bacon's cartoon cavalcade. Is is a collection of of his stuff. Um, <clears throat> he gets he's in like, you know, the Atlantic and the New Yorker and such yep. now, and it feels like he does more of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But Snake and Bacon are it's a it's a, a piece of bacon and a snake, and they're like time traveling cops. And the kind of joke, and it doesn't sound that funny in word, but it's funny on the page, is that um, the snake can just hiss, and the bacon just talks about bacon in the first person. <laughs> like so so they're like snake and bacon you're off the case you didn't realize that if you time traveled back to kill your grandparents it would cause a paradox 
And then the snakes like hiss and bacon's like, wipe me down with a towel to remove excess grease. And like everyone acts like they can understand them no matter what they're saying. And that's just kind of, like, that's kind of the joke. And it just kind of keeps going. Um, but he's real good at taking these like really one line kind of joke things. Like there is this whole thing with uh, Mark Twain and Albert Einstein adventuring together because his drawings of them look exactly the same. <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> two of them getting into adventures, but it's just like two guys who look, you know, Twain and Einstein together at last. <laughs> and then they, they end up like in one of them, they run into uh, Louis Pasteur and um, God, who's the other person? But two other people look exactly the same. They're just wearing mm-hmm. different shirts. <laughs> so it's, it's very funny. Huh. Uh, I love that man. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like the uh, the the hiss and only talking about bacon in the third, per- third person. Yeah. So so and, so and, pe- people respond as though they as though they said something that made sense in context. Yeah, they in their world they they speak English. Okay. But to us, they, they and they get more ludicrous as they go. Like sometimes they're just like, "I'm real bacon. Sprinkle me on a salad," and like they they do stuff like that. But then like. They get like, you know, like hillbillies use me as lubricant. Like it, it gets like, or use my grease as lubricant. Like it gets like really like vulgar and esoteric as it has to search for more things you could possibly say about bacon. Yeah. So. Huh. Yeah. It's, it's super good. Yeah. This is, this is intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, I, th- I think you dig it. He's a, uh, you can also follow him on Twitter. Like he does a bunch of like, just kind of retweets a lot of his old comics. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, he's funny in general, but he'll spend a lot of time just like, kind of retweeting his comics and you get kind of a, a best of. Okay. Yeah, well, this is uh, th- th- this will go in the extrasode to spread the joy to other people. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I'm I'm happy to. I, I will talk the the virtues of Michael Cooperman anytime. Of course, mm-hmm. don't go under the blankets. I need you in a minute. <laughs> You're ready for the big show, kid. Yeah, he's getting sleepy. Huh. Um, do you want to get started? Yes. Yes. Cool. <laughs> 